Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Exodus 7 in the NLT. My friends, before I pray, I've just been going on YouTube, looking at videos about bad relationships, about good relationships, about, I mean, I go to YouTube for, you know, I pray, I read the Bible, but I also go to YouTube. I want to learn things. Alpha male, sigma male, um, what Jesus meant when he said, I'm the alpha and the omega. Jesus is different things to different males, different things to different females. And now it seems to me that I'm getting into things like psychology. Um, you know, like there's just so many, there are just so many uh, videos about psychology and about narcissism uh, that's happening. And you know, narcissism is pride, ego and entitlement. And the Bible says in Matthew 24 that love shall wax cold. Well, if love shall wax cold, um, then lovelessness will wax hot. And lovelessness is pride, ego, vanity. You know, the God of you is you, ego. And that sort of blocks out God. And there's a lot of, you know, videos about psychology. I'm listening to a guy now about psychology. And I, I don't understand the videos. Um, it, I have to listen to them more than once. But it's just fascinating about the mind. Because I think to read the Bible and to have a faith, to have a judgment about Christ, about God, to believe that it's real, is is something in your mind it's not just informational but it's sort of you're giving yourself to something you're you're looking at the at the universe as a man says here he's a psychologist and he says the universe is like an empty cup because of that it's like functional and it's whatever we project into it some people project good some people project bad he says most project good some people project bad but there's a psychosis of reality because he says most people are not objective or they don't know enough to be objective. Well, isn't that true of every single human being? We're all trying to look at the elephant in the room and we say that elephant is God. That elephant is represented by Jesus, who is also part of the elephant. Or that elephant is something else. Or that elephant is another religion. Or that elephant is my own ego. So we're all projecting our value judgments into the universe. It's fascinating stuff. It's really fascinating stuff, but I don't understand it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there's so much about the mind that we can talk about. You are you are eternal mind. And as Charleston Heston said in the movie, the light of eternal mind. We need you to guide our minds because our minds are not complete. They're not whole. They have been darkened by our uh, by sin infecting us. You said that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We need guidance. We need help because we don't know enough about reality and what's beyond reality to know. Our judgments are based in reality and so they are biased and incomplete. But you, Lord, are complete and whole and beyond the bounds of this reality as we know it. And you know all things. Please help us as we study your word. Guide us, Lord. Help us. Um, take away the burden of trying to figure everything out. And help us, Lord, to just put it on you. Trusting in you. Trusting in Christ. Being led by your Holy Spirit. To be all that you want us to be. To be the best version of ourselves. This is not about empty religion. This is about a cup that is full of relationship, of connection, of confidence in you and through you. 
I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's read it. Exodus 7 in the NLT. Then the Lord said to Moses, pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Wow. That's, you know, every movement has a prophet. I came from something that called itself a movement. And we had a prophet who was a woman who I believe is a grandiose narcissist and who is dead. And, you know, she was like God to the church. She helped to form the church with her husband and wrote, she wrote lots of books. And if she was a Christian at some point, at some point her pride and ego took over. But she's like God to the people of the church. They push her books and say that she's speaking for God, which I believe is a complete and utter lie, which I, I don't believe. I know that it's a complete and utter lie. She's not mentioned in scripture. She's not a prophet for God and she's not speaking for God and she does not have divine inspiration. This is narcissism and narcissism disconnects and divides and creates stress and, and, and drama and it can have no place in God's kingdom. God said the meek shall inherit the earth because of the, the people who are meek are the ones who can who are more um, malleable and can be taught from the word of God and will see God clearly. Tell Aaron everything I command you and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn so that I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Why is God doing this? Doesn't Pharaoh make his own heart stubborn? Again, I, I, I hearken back to what I heard in a sermon uh, where, the, where the pastor, the minister, the speaker was saying, you know, it's not that God is doing it. It's just that God is giving Pharaoh a gospel that makes Pharaoh hardened against it. So in a way, God is doing it because he's given Pharaoh um, a, a, a gospel that Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's narcissism, Pharaoh's pride, he hardens himself against the message. And, you know, I've seen, I've, I've watched videos about this covert narcissism, overt narcissism, toxic narcissism, you know, borderline personality disorder, um, narcissistic personality disorder. And a guy said in a video, and there's, there's all kinds of people doing video on YouTube. There's clinical psychologists, there's doctors, there's lawyers, all kinds of people. I mean, this guy I was listening to is a psychiatrist. And then there's just regular folk. Uh, who are not any of those things, but are trying to make head or, uh, you know, sort all this through and have their own opinions, which there's no crime in that. Um, but the guy said, you know, in his experience, he said very few people um, ever change. Once they pass a certain line, they never change. And I'm thinking, isn't that the line in the Bible which says, let him who is filthy be filthy still, and let him who is holy be holy still? Isn't that the line? Like God said, that's the line. That line that the person is talking on the video, God said there's a certain line where the person is, cannot be changed and is unalterable. But the Bible also does say, with God, all things are possible. If a person can, can raise themselves above that line, if they can turn it around, if they can come out of the narcissistic fog, that's because God did it. Or that's because they somehow opened the door to let God do it. Who's doing it? God's doing it. No, you're doing it because you're opening the door to let God come in 
and take control. Narcissism is about someone controlling someone else, gaslighting them and using their own emotions against them so that the narcissist can get control of them. Well, I guess Satan called God a narcissist. He said, this guy's living up in his ivory tower. He doesn't know how we feel. I, I'm one of you guys. Follow me and um, I will lead you to a better path. I'm sure they probably had no idea what he was talking about. All the angels that got deceived, like, what's this guy talking about? I've never heard this before. Maybe he's got a point there. All of a sudden, everybody starts getting confused now. This is what narcissism and pride does. It creates drama. It creates strife. It creates confusion. People start getting polarized. You don't know who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. You don't know which side is right. You start, your, your emotions start getting pushed against you. You start getting gaslit. I don't really know. You start questioning your own sanity, your own judgment, your own ability to make judgments. That's exactly what Satan did. He used to be a good guy. So it's just a lot of, uh, but then God says, no, you have to leave heaven. You're the one creating the drama. I have to put you out. And then what happens? Who, how do we find out who's telling the truth and who's not? There's, there seems to be only one way. It's time. Time shows you the true colors of a person. By their fruits, you will know them. And fruits take time to mature. If you have the spirit of fruits of the Holy Spirit, I guess you will have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temper, you know, self-control. And if you don't, then the fruits of will be anger and lies and pride and ego and hatred and emptiness and depression and strife. And these things seem to be rife today. They seem to be growing. People are isolated. People are empty. People are not happy. It's happening, folks. It's really happening. Matthew 24 is really happening. And I think to read the Bible is to sit up and take notice. God is really speaking to us. He's trying to pull us back. He's trying to make us meek so that we will listen to God, that we will repent and say, Lord, you know what? I, I could be wrong about this. I could be wrong about my opinion. I might have to take accountability and responsibility for my own actions. Narcissists never want to do that. They never want to say, I'm sorry. Well, at the cross, I guess we all say we're sorry. Lord, we did this to you. Satan killed a man on the cross. God used the cross to kill our sins. We played a part in both. We played a part in both. Lord, I'm sorry. I, I helped to put you here. I could be wrong about this. And I think when people, when you honestly say that in your heart, that's where the inner healing begins. Anyways, enough of that. It says, even that Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so I will bring down my fist on Egypt. Then I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So God judges sin. He's a righteous God. For God not to judge sin, he would not be righteous. God cannot sit by and let sin happen. God has given us grace, but God will judge sin. So Moses and Aaron did it just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Do you want to be doing this when you're 80 years old? 
Like, I mean, maybe their 80 is our 50. But it's still hard work. I mean, they're standing up against a guy who's really got a really bad attitude and is really quite full of himself. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. When he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh and it will become a serpent. Why a serpent? Why, why, why something that looks like the devil? Is it that Pharaoh just respects power? Or he respects fear? Like he can't show Pharaoh a dove, I guess. So why not a serpent? You know, you could see a serpent. You ever seen like a snake? I saw a guy in a video. He had this anaconda around his neck. And the thing was kind of tightening up. It's like, dude, why, why are you doing that? Like, that's just stupid. You want that thing to snap your neck? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not impressed. You're like, you're impressing me. You put the anaconda around your neck. Take it off, man. I'm impressed. Really, I am. You don't have to go any further. I don't really know why. And the thing is big and heavy looking. It's not like a little garter snake or something like that. You know, it's a big, heavy looking snake with a big, thick body. I, I was really duly impressed that this guy was out of his mind. Maybe that's your thing, though. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh called in his own wise men and sorcerers, and these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. I, I guess the devil can do some serious magic. I mean, how is it the devil can make a staff into uh, a serpent? I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that in any magic show I've ever seen. So that's pretty impressive if they really could do that. Or it's quite the illusion. I was looking at David Copperfield once, and I don't know what he did. He threw some, he was, the camera was like showing him in the middle, and then the camera zoomed out, and all of a sudden there's this guy that sort of takes his blanket uh, or bedsheet off himself, and it was David Copperfield. Like he was, he was like, a great distance away from where he had been originally. I don't know if the camera, I don't know if that was smoke immersed. I don't understand that because I remember my cousin Roger looking at the cam looking at the TV, and then he turned his face to me and said, That guy is demonic. <laughs> and Roger is a doctor right now, so it takes a lot to impress him. But I think he was <laughs> he was duly scared as I was. How did this guy do this? Like this, this was an incredible illusion. We saw the guy cover up, David Copperfield covered up, and then all of a sudden, the camera zooms out a really great distance. He could not have run to this place and put this bedsheet on himself and then just uncovered himself. Like it was just like he had, he had disappeared from one place and sort of uh, appeared in a totally different place, you know, like Samantha on Bewitched. We couldn't understand it. Uh, they threw down, so Pharaoh uh, called in his own wise man. They did that, blah, blah, blah. Verse 12, they threw down their staffs, which also became serpents. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Well, that's impressive. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. Wow, he's really tough crowd. Tough crowd, really hard to impress. He still refused to listen just as the Lord had predicted. A plague of blood. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. Yeah, no kidding, Lord. And he still refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river. Stand on the bank of the Nile and meet him there. Be sure to take along, along the staff that turned into a snake. Then announce to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now, you refuse to listen to him. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand, 
and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. Okay, this is obviously a threat and God will carry it out. He has the power to do this, right? It says red. I don't know why it would be red. Maybe there's real hemoglobin in it. Maybe it has some diatoms. I've heard of some plankton that can be like algae, like red algae. So obviously God can do this in a snap. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and raise your hand over the waters of Egypt. All its rivers, canals, ponds, and all the reservoirs, turn all the water to blood. It says water to blood, right? Jesus made water into wine. This is weird. Jesus made water into wine in John 2. And he's telling, um, you know, and wine does look kind of dark, right? Uh, and he's telling Aaron to turn the water to blood. And we know that Christ's blood cleansed us. And this is very strange. Everywhere in Egypt, the water will turn to blood, even the water stored in wooden bowls and stone pots. Wow, I, I didn't really realize that. I mean, you, you see the, Char the Ten Commandments movie with Charleston Heston. You know, Eel Brenner is the Pharaoh. He turns to blood. He looks at his hands and he's really freaked out, you know. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. As Pharaoh and all his officials watched, Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile. Suddenly, the whole river turned to blood. The fish in the river died and the water became so foul that the Egyptians couldn't drink it. There was blood everywhere throughout the land of Egypt. But again, the magicians of Egypt used their magic and they too turned water into blood. Well, these guys are pharaohs or stupid or something. I don't know. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. I guess he's very proud and entitled. Even if he is scared, he's probably thinking, well, I'm the alpha male. I can't let them see fear on me. So I better just like stand tight, you know? So he's kind of hardening himself, right? This is what, you know, my friend is an alpha male. I said, dude, you know what? You, you're a really confident guy. I said, yeah, that's very true. I said, you're probably the guy that if somebody has a different opinion than you, you're not really going to buy into it. He said, yeah, that's my problem. Sometimes I'm hard to convince. I'm going, yeah, but if somebody does convince you, it's probably a really, really solid, good, tight argument. And he kind of laughed, right? So I'm thinking Pharaoh, I'm not giving Pharaoh any justification. Because, I mean, you know, you should be able to listen to people and be flexible. But obviously, he has that kind of demeanor. He's not going to believe. He's not going to be intimidated. And his own people can do this anyways. So he's thinking that Moses and Aaron are just throwing parlor tricks. Right? They're just doing parlor tricks. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He's proud, egotistical, stubborn, and entitled. Big time grandiose narcissist right here. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron just, Aaron just as the Lord had predicted. Pharaoh returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. Then all the Egyptians dug along the riverbank to find drinking water, for they couldn't drink the water from the Nile. Seven days passed from the time the Lord struck the Nile. That's why the Lord says in Matthew 5, we were just studying this, the meek shall inherit the earth. You know, it's getting more and more clear that there's two groups of people on the earth. There's the meek, the people who can listen to God and have God-centered relationships and people who are proud and entitled. And proud and entitled people cannot have really restful and very good long-term relationships that involve apologies and forgiveness and repentance. Just can't happen. I think our relationships all need that. And it just can't happen in the world with all this pride and ego. Kind of sad. Doesn't bode well for our world. Anyways, 
Thanks for listening. Y'all take care now.